Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We are starting a brand new series this morning uh, called the Surrender Series. The Surrender Series. There's no series graphic yet because the Lord didn't reveal all of this to me until I laid down last night. Um, so there was not time to get graphics together. There have been a number of things that the Lord's had in my heart uh, that, that I felt like we needed to talk about in this new year, but they seemed unrelated and disconnected to me, just like standalone messages. But surrender is what ties them all together. So we're going to start the surrender series today, and over the next few weeks we'll talk about the impact of surrender in our lives as followers of Jesus. And at some point, we'll have graphics and we'll do all the things, okay? But for today, let's get into the Word, Matthew chapter 1. We'll start in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, uh, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Son, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence and to worship you. Thank you that we sensed your strengthening and your empowering even in the midst of the valleys that we may be walking through. And I thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of our praise no matter what position or station in life we may be in. God, I thank you for your word today and I pray that you would reveal it to us in a way that maybe you've never revealed it before and may we not just hear it and understand it today, but I pray that we have the courage and the, and the strength and the passion today to put it into practice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know that uh, traditional thinking is that we only talk about the Christmas passages at Christmas and the Easter passages at Easter, but I just think it's all good all the time. Is that all right with y'all? So I know this is the first message of the new year. Um, this is a time of year when people tend to reflect on the old and look forward to the new. And I think a lot of people get more serious about their spirituality at this time of year, maybe than at any other. They're determined to change something so that they can be who they're supposed to be in Christ. 
Now, listen, I'm a Joseph fan. I'm a Joseph fan. I think Joseph intuitively demonstrated something in this passage that we need to learn and understand and put into practice in our own lives, apply it in our walk with Jesus. So today's message is called Joseph, Surrender and Identity. Surrender and Identity. Now, I just want to say this right off the bat, okay? To find the life you've been wanting, give up the life you've been living. To find the life you've been wanting, give up the life you've been living. Surrender and identity are intertwined. When I read about the role that Joseph played in the birth of Christ, I'm struck by what he was willing to give up in order to do what God called him to do. He was called to be the earthly father of Jesus, to provide for and protect Mary and Jesus, to cover them and to comfort them. It was a role that he was chosen to fulfill just as surely as Mary was chosen to bear the Son of God. Now, we read in Scripture Mary's poetic response to the call of God. What did she say? Be it unto me according to your will, right? There's no such record of Joseph's response Maybe he didn't even say anything. You know how us guys are. He probably grunted. (laughs) But what he did do was surrender to the call of God on his life, no matter what it cost him. And that's an important thing to talk about today. So leadership legend John Maxwell says, you have to give up to go up. You have to give up to go up. In other words, the more you pursue the calling of God on your life, the more you're going to have to be willing to lay down your rights. I'm not just talking about a calling to some ministry office or position. I'm not talking about a title. I'm talking about every one of us in our calling as a follower of Jesus. The calling to find your identity in Christ. Identity is a long game. It's the long game. You have to be able to see past the here and now the more bought in you are to, the, to your future, the, the more you have to abandon the rights you have in the present. Does that make sense? On more than one occasion in the, in the passage, Joseph demonstrated his willingness to surrender his rights in order to fulfill the role that God had called him to. And we're going to look at those today. The first right that Joseph surrendered was his right to divorce Mary his right to divorce Mary. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he knew he wasn't the father. So he had every right under the law to divorce her on the grounds of adultery. Joseph was caught in a quandary because the Bible says he was faithful to the law. He knew what his rights were. But he was also a good man, and he didn't want to embarrass Mary with a public divorce. So while he was considering this, God sent an angel to him in a dream to help him decide what to do. And the angel said, I thought this was really interesting, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's interesting to me that he said, don't be afraid. He didn't say, don't be ashamed. He didn't say, don't be too legalistic. He said, don't be afraid to do it. See, sometimes we cling to our rights just because we're afraid not to. We cling to our rights because we're afraid not to. 
I have been quite surprised in my many years of adulthood, decades now, just how much I find myself afraid. I thought once I got grown, I wouldn't have to worry about being scared of anything. I've discovered the opposite has proven to be true. Even the psalmist David, a warrior, a giant killer, admitted on more than one occasion in the Psalms that he was afraid. See, Joseph was a good man. This took him by surprise. You know, I think we still operate under this myth that if you're good, if you do good things, if you're a good person, then, then bad things won't happen to you. Don't we sort of expect that to happen? And we know it's not how the world works, but we still somehow sort of expect that if you're a good person, then only good things are going to happen to you. And if bad things happen, it's only because you're a bad person. That's just not how the world works, is it? Joseph was a good man, and this took him by surprise. He did not see this coming. He was not prepared for this. He knew what the law said. He knew what his rights were, but he knew what his actions, if he exercised his rights, would do to Mary, a woman that he clearly loved. So he was afraid. He was afraid of doing the wrong thing, and he was afraid of doing nothing. So God sent the angel with instructions for Joseph, listen, not because he wanted to take away his rights, but because he wanted to take away his fear. So what did God offer in exchange for Joseph's fear? He offered love. Love. Love for Mary. Love for God. Love for Jesus, whom he hadn't even met yet. Why? Because first John says, what casts out fear is what? Perfect love. Perfect love. Joseph was able to embrace his new identity and surrender his right to divorce Mary because he found a new motive. Not rights, but love. This happens in our lives too, doesn't it? Things happen. Circumstances change. You thought you had it figured out. And then everything gets, gets uh, as the prophet Will Smith said, flip turned upside down. Right? <laughs> so the, sorry. So the natural response is to fall back on your rights. What are you legally allowed to do, right? What society says you can do with no repercussions. What someone somewhere said that not only can you do, but in circumstances like this, this is what you're expected to do. This is what you're supposed to do. I'm sure there were plenty of people in Joseph's ear, if he told anybody about the situation, that were telling him exactly what they'd do if they were him, right? Y'all got friends like that, that know all the solutions to your problems, the next time that, that kind of situation arises in your life, take enough time before you make your decision to allow God to give you a better idea. Follow the path that love takes you on. Figure out what surrender means in that situation. Almost every time that I have done the right thing, uh, it required some form of surrender on my part. Give God time to show you what's right. But understand that when you do what is right, you may be perceived as weak or foolish or wrong. See, by marrying Mary, Joseph appeared to be admitting to 
one of two terrible things if you're a man. Either that he was the father of the baby, illegitimately, or at least an untimely, or that he was so desperate to marry her that he was willing to overlook her indiscretion. Either way, it paints him in a bad light. It's kind of a no-win situation that can be terrifying, sometimes even paralyzing. That's why the angel said, don't be afraid to do what appears to be the wrong thing. When Paul told Timothy in the New Testament that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind, it's not that those things scare off fear like some sort of uh, magic lucky charm. It's that anyone who's going to walk in their true God-given identity is going to have to break out of the grip of fear. And that, that, that power and love and that right thinking comes only from God. And the good news is all you have to do, according to James 1 and 5, is just ask him for it. Just ask him. So the first right that he gave up was the right to divorce Mary. The second right Joseph surrendered was the right to name his own son. Right? He finally said, okay, fine. I'll raise the kid as my own. But now he's got the right to name the kid. In those days, the father had naming rights. He could have named him after himself, could have named him after his father, or some other family member that had, that, that had been passed down, some family name that had been passed down. The angel said his name is going to be Jesus. And I want you to notice that later in the passage, it says Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph did it, not Mary. Joseph didn't just relinquish his rights. He embraced his responsibility to see it through. It's one thing to give up your right by being passive or complicit with what goes on around you. He could have blamed it on Mary. He could have said she insisted on the name Jesus, but instead he stepped up. He took responsibility for making it happen. And here's the truth. Nothing great ever gets accomplished by exercising your rights. Nothing great gets accomplished by exercising your rights. Greatness comes from surrendering yourself to a greater purpose. You have to give up to go up, right? Why? Because it's not really about you. It's not really about you. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Isn't that what Jesus said? And that's not going to happen unless somebody is willing to lay down their rights and take up their responsibility to go and make disciples. To go follow Jesus. To go do that thing that he's calling you to do. To go be the person that he's calling you to be. But to find the life you've been wanting, you have to give up the life you've been living. Joseph said, I know I got the right to name this child after myself. But the call of God is not to make my name great. It's to make his name great. So I'm going to give up my right to walk in my identity as a family member of my earthly family. And I'm going to walk in my God-given identity with my spiritual family. I'm going to name the child what the father told me to. Joseph showed us that, not, that, that we only walk in our identity when we learn to surrender. And then here's the, the third right that Joseph gave up in, in order to walk in his identity. In one of Scripture's most private and personal moments, 
This passage tells us that Joseph surrendered his right to consummate his marriage with Mary until after she had delivered Jesus. As far as I know, there was no There was nothing in the law of Moses, nothing in the customs of the day that would have prevented him from consummating his marriage. After all, the the angel said, you need to take her home as your wife. That would mean they were officially and legally married with all the rights and privileges therein. But Joseph made the decision not to exercise his right to marital relations until after Jesus was born. This not only speaks highly of Joseph's self-control, it speaks volumes about the level of respect that he had for Mary and for the things of God. He realized this is not about me. He surrendered his right, listen, not because other people were going to pat him on the back, because nobody knew about this decision. He did it simply because he believed it to be the honorable thing to do. Not based on who he was and on what his rights were, but on who he was called to be. Joseph decided that if his wife was carrying a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, then he should keep her her pure until then. It wasn't about what he had the right to do. There was no, notice there was no angelic visit. There was no thus saith the Lord about this situation. He decided what to do based on his identity. Does that make sense? He said, trying to satisfy my own needs is not who I am anymore. I've got a new identity. I've got a higher calling. I'm not the person that I used to be anymore. When it comes to rights, Paul probably said it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show this to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. Paul said, writing to the Corinthians, you Corinthians say, I'm allowed to do anything. And then Paul says in response, but not everything is good for you. The Corinthians said, I'm allowed to do anything. Paul said, but not everything is beneficial. He said in verse 24, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Paul's responding to the Corinthians' desire to exercise their rights, exercise their freedoms in Christ as they understood them. They claim that they have the right to do pretty much anything they wanted to do. And like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Paul just redefined the conversation. He pointed out to them they're holding themselves to a lesser, selfish standard. He says the question's not whether or not it's your right. The question is, will this benefit the kingdom? Will this benefit your brothers and sisters around you? Is this a kingdom-minded decision or a self-centered one? Is this about who I am now or who I'm trying to become in Christ. At some point, you have to make the distinction. You have to learn to walk in your identity. Asking what you're allowed to do is a question a Pharisee would ask. Right? They want to know where the line is. Don't all the little kids want to know where the line is? They want to know the rules. Why? So they can break everything right up to the line. Right? Y'all got some bad kids in your house, didn't you? Boy, y'all got excited about that. Them little nasty kids. They learned, well, never mind. Y'all know where they learned it from. I just heard your mama say, amen. 
That's a religious spirit. Got to know where the line is so you can do everything up to the line. The key is to live by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, not in the letter of the law. Look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. These Corinthians were a handful. Paul keeps having to write back to him. He said, he enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. Under the new covenant, it's the Spirit that gives life. We find life and fulfillment and joy and peace in Christ, not by exercising our rights, but by laying our rights down. Jesus said to find real life, you have to lose this life. We've been saying it this way in this message, to find the life you've been wanting, give up the life you've been living. Right? What would happen if Joseph had exercised his rights instead of surrendering them? He would have missed the opportunity to protect and parent the Messiah. See, we think that if we insist upon our rights, then we get everything we want. But you still give up something even when you get what you think you want. Here's a question I want you to think about today. What are you giving up by insisting you get everything you think you have coming to you? What's that costing you? What are you letting go of to hold on to your rights? What are you losing by always trying to win? You know those people that's, oh, I'm always going to get what's mine. I'm going to get what's coming to me. That's a, that is a very difficult way to live your life because you're always in a fight. You're always fighting somebody for something. It's exhausting. And it's not the life that Jesus called us to live. I think with every visit from the angel, Joseph came to understand and embrace his, his, his identity. He started to own it. Identity is living in the reality of your position. Identity is living in the reality of your position. You choose your activity based on who you are in Christ. When you walk in your identity, it's no longer about rights or really even responsibilities. When you walk in your identity, you're not worried about what you get to do versus what, you have, what you've got to do. It's about how a person with your identity should carry themselves. Let me put it this way. It's the difference in being an employee and being the owner. Is there a difference in being an employee and being an owner? When you're an employee, you lean on your job description and your contract, right? You hear employees say things like, well, that's not my job. That's not in my contract or everybody's favorite, y'all don't pay me to do that, right? Owners don't say stuff like that. They can't because it's all theirs. It all has to be done and it all contributes to the overall success of the company. So if they see trash, they pick it up. They don't go check their contract because they don't have one. If, they, if somebody calls in sick, then they just know they're going to stay late. If a customer needs something extra, they just know I'm going to do whatever it takes to please and satisfy my customers because they're all in on the business. 
It's it's either going to go or not go based on their commitment. It's not just a job. Nobody's going to make them do it, and and nobody's going to do it for them. Let me ask you this. When are you going to own your identity as a follower of Jesus? Are you an employee of the kingdom? Or are you owning your relationship with Jesus? Are you waiting on Jesus to show up and make you do stuff? You waiting on the Holy Spirit to convict you so bad that you're just miserable enough to do what you know you should have been doing all along? When we get caught up about the rules as followers of Jesus, it's easy to miss the bigger picture. What we can do, what we can't do. What we should do, what we shouldn't do. What we're required to do. What's allowed to be done. What's not allowed to be done. When you understand who you are in Christ, it's not so much about the rules anymore. Let me show you what James said in in James 2 and 8. He said, yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul talked about obeying the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What's the royal law? It's love. It's love. So it's not about, is this allowed? It's not about, where's the line so I can do everything up to the line? It's like like this. A follower of Jesus would say something like, I love Jesus, and Jesus is the truth. So there's no way I can lie to people and still be in relationship with the truth. Well, there's a different way to look at it, right? That's completely different than finding a rule about lying and then feeling obligated to follow it and then trying to defy what a line is so you can do all the kind of lies up to the line of lie, right? I'm not suggesting we ignore what the Bible calls sin. Of course, we don't live a life of sin, but love has to be the motive for us to live a life free from sin. It's internal, not external. It's relationship, not religion. It's, it's love, not law. It's identity. It's ownership. When you're tempted to fall back into sinful behaviors or thought patterns, focus on who you are now as opposed to who you used to be. Those old behaviors, those old attitudes are not just part, they're not just who you are anymore. Your old identity was crucified with Christ. He said you're a new creation. He made you over again. All the old things are passed away. All things have become new. And listen, that's not a one-time event. If the only time you've ever been recreated and and made new again was when when you prayed a prayer of salvation to get saved, then you're, you're missing it. When you walk in relationship with the one who is life and who is resurrection, then you're constantly being renewed and recreated. Paul said you're being renewed, what did he say? Day by day. You are one with Christ. In him you live and you move and you have your being. When you understand that, surrender doesn't feel so much like a sacrifice. 
Nobody's taking anything away from you. It's not even about fulfilling a responsibility or giving up a right. It's simply you walking out your new identity. This is just who I am now. This is how a person with a relationship with Jesus operates. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The love comes first. And because you love him, that love drives your obedience. Because why would you not want to please someone you love? There's obvious connections to all kinds of things, right? Obvious connections in marriages, obvious connections in ministries, obvious connections in your church, in all your other relationships. If love is at the core of all of those things, then it should drive your behavior that probably is going to run counter to what the rest of the world thinks and does and says. It's not about your rights. It's about love. It's about love. You don't, you don't operate just because you learned the rules, but because you've embraced the identity through the love that he has for you and the love that you have for him. How did it all happen for Joseph? When he learned to surrender his rights. To find the life you've been wanting. Give up the life you've been living. Surrender who you have been and walk in your new identity quit worrying about your rights quit whining about your responsibilities and just walk in your identity what would happen in your spiritual life if you just went all in on what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be how would that be different how, what would happen in every area of your life if you lived like an owner and not an employee what would happen if you just lived your life like you really believe the Holy Spirit was living inside you, giving you the power and love and a sound mind that you need to break out of the fear and do what God's called you to do? First, first week of 2024, if you're going to succeed... If you're going to change, anything's going to be different, you're going to need a plan. A plan to surrender everything that you have been in order to become everything that he wants you to be. Surrender and identity go hand in hand. I want you all to stand with me, please. said this Wednesday night um, and it'll probably come up again in this series but if things are going to change for us and there's a whole lot of us that really want something to change, really want something different, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand but I know a lot of you are in a position where you're like man something has got to change I cannot keep living the way I've been living All right. so if that's you you're, you're going to have to not just change your what you have to change your how and your why. Otherwise, changing your activity is not going not to do anything different. You've got to change how you're living. You've got to change why you're living. That's what we're trying to get at 
in this surrender series. Your identity in Christ has to do with your willingness to give up and surrender. That's where it starts. So we're going to pray. You're like, John, this was not fun. I was hoping to be inspired today. Well, sorry. That's all I got. That's all I got. Um, we got to learn to be inspired by the truth, right? Even if it hurts. Because um, this is what the Word says. This is the path forward. So if you want to pray about, about this, if, you wanna, if you're like, John, I, I get it, and I know you're right, but I am scared to death. That's all right. Because He gives power and love and a sound mind to overcome your fear. The fear is not from Him. The fear is the enemy. The fear is your flesh trying to keep you from doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Okay? So if you want to pray about that and say, I just need, I need to overcome this fear and push out and, and do this in faith anyway, you're in the right place. If there's something going on and you need change in your life, then we can pray about that today. If there's anything else going on, you need a touch in your physical body, you've got a relationship issue, a financial issue, whatever the, the need is, then we, we'd be happy to pray with you about anything. So I'm going to pray a quick prayer. They're going to sing a song. We're going to, we're, these altars are, are continuing to be open. They're always open. So you can come and pray about anything you need to pray about. We'll be dismissed together in a few minutes, okay? Father, thank you for the chance to take just a few minutes at the beginning of this year and hear what your word says about making significant, lasting change in our lives. God, I pray that you would drive this down into our souls that we don't just hear it and know it but we do it and I pray God for every person that's struggling with fear, every person whose heart's about to beat out of their chest right now who knows this is, this is what you brought them here to hear, I pray God that you would help them to, to pray and ask you for wisdom and ask you for strength and ask you for courage and power and right thinking about this thing and I know that when they ask you'll be faithful to give it to them Lord, I pray for every person in this place today and every need that they have. I pray that you draw them to this altar and we know that you will meet them here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.